You are listening to Gangland Wire, hosted by former Kansas City Police Intelligence Unit Detective Gary Jenkins. Welcome, all you wiretappers out there, back here in the uh, Gangland Wire studio with our uh, genial co host, Camulus Robinson, calling, calling down on Skype from. Uh, Munster, Indiana. Hi, Cam. How you doing? Gary, how you doing? Glad to be here. Well, you know, that's a little bit di- different weather than what we had last winter. That's, you got that right. I, I prefer this. I called you from Texas. <laughs> I remember when I called you from Texas and it was about 60 down there. It was like snowing <laughs> 30 or something up there. <laughs> Awful up here. Really? So, uh, Cam, folks, Cam has come up with a really interesting story. He's been doing some research again for me, and it is uh, about Iupa and the muskie. And then the muskie means the muskie fish. You know, I think you guys all know, especially you Chicago guys, this is for you Chicago guys, uh, Ben Ellickson and, and Mike Burnett, all you guys up there in Chicago. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember other names. I know I've gotten, been contacted by people from Chicago. But, uh, uh, you know, Iupa was a big fisherman and a hunter. There's all kinds of pictures out there. I see him posted on the Chicago Outfit Facebook pages all the time uh, of uh, Iupa holding guns and with other mobsters holding guns and holding animals that he's killed. And, and of course, you know, the, the most famous story of all is uh, that he shot 500 doves and brought them back from down here in southeast Kansas. Had to come up through uh, Kansas City, I guess, to do that pretty much. But uh, And the FBI was down there watching him and, and some discrepancies on ex- exactly how this happened. But uh, they were waiting on him when he got back to Chicago at his driveway and found those 500 doves all dressed out and, and in his trunk. I, I guess he liked dove meat or he wanted to throw a big... Big, uh, uh, I know guys uh, from up home, and I hear I've heard of them in, in my adulthood. I'm not big on eating uh, wild game, but people that are, they'll have a great big wild game feed, mm-hmm. uh, and and just have all different kinds of wild game there. And so maybe maybe I open some of the outfit guys up there did that. That would be an interesting question to find out if. They used to have big wild game feeds because uh, Iupa was definitely a hunterman, hunter and a fisherman, and he liked to have uh, uh, guys go out to those places with him. Yeah, that, that land where they found the Spilatros was right across from a little uh, game reserve that Iapa used to hunt at. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> he was, uh, that was down in Indiana too. Right? Yeah. I, think I, was, I, I thought a lot of this stuff, he went up into the North Woods yeah. in Wisconsin. Yeah, he did. I'm sure that's where this fish came from, but uh, you know more about this than I do, don't you? <laughs> That's where uh, that's where this took place. It was an interesting story I kind of came across. Uh. Really? Now, now, Cam's got down here that mobsters and fishermen are notorious liars. There's something about <laughs> the nature of both lives that lends itself to exaggeration. Now, this is an example where both uh, uh, fishermen and uh, lion mobsters meet, huh? <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's uh, it's kind of hard to tell the uh, the difference in this. Yeah. So what's the deal here, Cam? So in 1949, this uh, this guy Lewis Spray, he was a, he's known for several different fishing records all over uh, Wisconsin. 
He supposedly caused, caught the largest muskie at the Chippewa Flowage in Wisconsin. The fish was 69 pounds, 11 ounces. He's standing there in his red flannel and corduroy hat, and the, the damn fish is, is, is as long as he is tall. It's just, it's an enormous fish, and he's, it's, it's still the record holder. There was somebody who came up with something in 92, but apparently that was fudged. Uh, from my reading, a lot of these fishing records, especially up in more, these more rural areas, they turn out to be fake, and... Louis Spray, a lot of his, a lot of his records have been uh, throughout the years. People have said, "Well, Louis buys fish, and Louis stuffs fish into fish to make them heavier." So, this guy Louis Spray, he he was a he was a rum runner during Prohibition. He carried a pistol with him everywhere. He was a he was a heavy drinker, and he was a loud loud talker, and and he was real a real character throughout uh, throughout the area. So he was he was pretty well known. And uh, he was he 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 held several fishing records, and there's always been sort of an air of air of mystery about this guy. Did he really do it, or because he's the kind of guy that you could sort of would sort of be nefarious in his fishing records, and. Through, through ever since Capone and a little bit before, all the guys from Chicago used to go up to Wisconsin and, and they had summer homes up there. I mean, you, you've got uh, Roger Tui had a place up there and, and all of Capone's guys and they'd go hunting and, and fishing and Wisconsin was sort of the retreat. That was where you'd get your summer home. So a uh, uh, not too long ago, this would have been in the in the 80s, a uh, Spence Petros, who was the the uh, editor of Fishing Facts magazine, he knew he knew uh, Joey Iappa, and they were out finish fishing in Chicago. And Iappa, they were they were talking fish. Iappa says, you know, he he likes fishing for crappy. That's that's what he really likes. But his favorite is musky. So they're 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 uh, you know shooting the breeze, talking. And Iappa turns to Spence Petros, and he says, "You ever heard of Louis Spray?" And the world record muskie, and of course he has. That's that's in that world. That's that's really well known. So Iappa says, you know, I actually caught that fish and I sold it to Louis Spray for fifty bucks. <laughs> Spence is <laughs> Spence is kind of taken back. He's like, come on now. And and Iappa says, yeah, I was I was uh, right below the winter dam where the uh, what's called the Chippewa flowage begins. And uh, Louis Petro says, you know, that's a restricted area. Iappa says, well, that's why I was fishing at night. So they get to talking more. He's like, well, why would you sell this fish to this guy, Louis Spray? And Iappa kind of looks at him and he says, do you know what on the lamb means? So, <laughs> so, so the more reading, I, 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 I just when I started coming across stories about Louis Spray buying fish, and a lot of people have said this, and, and going back to 1939, he's got fish, and people say, oh, Louis Spray used to stuff fish guts into fish to make him weigh more, and and yeah, he when he wasn't drinking and lying, he was he was when he wasn't fishing and drinking, he was lying, and he like as he had a pistol with him, and he would have he would have run in the same circles as as guys from Chicago who came up there on the run, and uh, so he 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 definitely was the kind of character who would have who Iappa would have run into up there when he was when he was on the lam, and. Uh, the only thing, one thing we certainly know about Iappa is, like you said, he, he was a prodigious hunter, and if he didn't have the record on doves, he was damn near close, shooting <laughs> shooting 500. He's the only mobster I know who ever got in trouble for violating the Migratory Birds Act. And uh, so he got these two men, one of whom multiple sources claim is a liar, and he holds his record for fishing. And the other man is is named his nickname that she didn't like, but he's named for his 
incredible hunting abilities for killing a, basically a world record amount of doves. So the only per and he only ever told one person about this. He didn't go around bragging everybody about his fish. So we kind of have to decide who do we believe? Do we believe the guy who who a lot of people who knew him said is a liar? Do we believe the guy who only told one person? It's I don't know. My my money's on the guy named named Doves. You know, I I kind of tend to believe Iepa. You, you like that idea that he could, he really caught that fish, but uh, <laughs> I, I, you know it's kind of a random thing for him to just lie about when he's fishing years later. You know, really? you know, in 1949, I caught the world record yeah. fish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Iupa was not he he was a little bit like Nick Sabella's that he, he was a little bit publicity averse. Yes. He was not one to uh, be out there in the newspapers. He, he already had enough trouble staying out of the newspapers as it were because that Chicago Tribune has always been all over him for yeah. a long time, all the way back to, to when he was the kind of the boss of Cicero. And, and uh, they were all over him. They uh, did one story on the, uh, the time, that, and the, this was all from the newspaper at the time that a, a young Chicago or a Cook County deputy sheriff who worked vice uh, wore a wire on Iupa when he was trying to bribe him. And, and they covered that like crazy. So he was not one to be <laughs> in the newspaper. So if, you, if a guy like Joey Doves, Iupa, turns in a world record fish, first thing they're going to do is they're going to start looking at, well, was he licensed? And was it yeah. in season? And and is everything about this thing perfect? The government's going to look at that thing from one end to the other, start interviewing people, find out who he was fishing with, who was fishing around. That's right. Everything they can. That's right. And deconstruct that thing. So I, he probably figured, well, you know, I know this dude. Uh, might as well make 50 bucks on the deal. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my theory on that, Cam. I, I I think you're right. I think you're right. And that's the kind of thing that would tend to haunt a man, you know, is is that you know that there's a world record out there and that it's your record and, and for, for reasons beyond your control, like you just said, you can't, you couldn't have it. it it's out there and you know somebody's got it and, and it's and it should be yours. It's your favorite activity and you, you don't have that world record. <laughs> that's got to eat away at a man. Really? <laughs> He wants some credit, that's for sure. <laughs> I wonder what, I, I, I got a feeling that like personally, if you were his friend, he was probably a lot of fun to be around and probably lots I, of hunting and fishing stories and go hunting and fishing with him. He's probably a pretty good guy to be around. I think you're right. You've got this this guy who's an editor of a, of a magazine who's just hanging out with him, drinking, drink, uh, you know, shoot, fishing, and I mean, they probably had a couple drinks, but you know, this is... And apparently, Iepa hung out with a couple of big professional fishermen, and, and so he was the kind of guy they liked to spend time with. And outside of the world, I think a lot of people like probably probably spend time with him if he was just hunting or fishing. I wouldn't borrow money from him. <laughs> Not unless you can pay it back real quick. <laughs> right. You know, that, that kind of brings up another thing back in the 50s and 60s and really started turning in the 70s that people were not... Uh, Trying to think how to put this, even politicians, politicians, and and business people, they were not so afraid to be seen with a mobster or to talk right. to a mobster, a high-ranking mobster. Right. They, it was different back then. They were more part of a community in in many ways. 
uh, and people didn't, you know, nowadays they they just tar you with a brush like crazy if a yeah. politician particularly, but but a guy like this uh, this editor of this fishing magazine, even him, you know, that would it just be all over the uh, yes. social media how this guy was meeting with Iopa, you know, and and the feds would be all over him and. And, and if they couldn't turn, you know, they think he had some information, they'd try to turn him, then when he didn't have any, then they'd, then they'd uh, uh, tar him with a, with a brush of being a mob associate yeah. and figure there was something in there, otherwise you'd never be seen with the guy. So, right. so it, it also speaks to a time when things were a little bit different in regards to the mob. That's a good point. But you know, in, in my experience in modern times, if you are spending a lot of time with a mob guy like this, He's he's figuring out some way that you can help him in his. Uh, it, it, it is. Some they way are constantly you, watching. You're going to be part of it. It's, yeah, they're constantly on the watch. It's not. Uh, they're not just just. I think it's just force of habit. They're always. Yeah. They're always on the lookout. They're always on the make. Yeah, they're like a predator out there moving. That's exactly. The if there's some kind of little fish out there, they can suck up. They're going to grab you. Yeah, that, you're exactly right constantly looking for some way to <laughs> compromise somebody. I mean, most criminals are like that if they're very good at all. I mean, I've dealt with a lot of those guys and they're, they're constantly trying in some ways to see where your weak spot is. If you deal with them, you know, trying to use them as an informant or whatever and just be around them, they're always looking for some way they can get an edge on, on whoever it is they're with. Uh, just some way trying to find out a little more personal information <laughs> about you. Maybe that will help. They can find out something else about you. Some way to get to get an edge on whoever they deal with. So that's that's just the nature. I mean, when you live that life, life basically a fear that, that yeah. somebody's going to do something to you all the time. Why I can understand why you would constantly want to be getting an edge on everybody you had anything to do with. Got to use what. Got to use whatever you can. Yeah, feel more in control of the situation. All right, Cam. Well, that was a good one. That would be a nice short <laughs> little uh, story, a little summertime story, fishing story for you wiretappers out there. Uh, we appreciate everything you do. You know, don't forget to hit me up on the Venmo every once in a while, and and or you can donate on the donate button. Uh, this summer, we've uh, we've done the Teamsters, uh, we've done the uh, Australian uh, organized crime, and then a pretty interesting uh, bookie story. Uh, a, a great, the great bookery robbery. That guy, they stole what, fifteen million dollars? Is that what that was? Oh uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the good round estimate. Yeah, yeah. With with the precision of a uh, uh, an SAS team, if you're British. Absolutely. Uh, Delta Force team, if you're American. Green Beret team. It was uh, that was a heck of a story. So, uh, Cam, I appreciate you digging that one up and this one too. You know, all the help that you've given me. Um, don't forget. Yeah, I thought this that, would be uh, fun. I got movies out there. I got my uh, Gangland Wire, and I've got uh, Brothers Against Brothers. I've got uh, my book, Leaving Vegas: How FBI Wiretaps Ended Mob Domination in Las Vegas Casinos. Then I've got uh, I got I put my app back up, Cam. I don't know. I may have mentioned it to you. I took it down for a while. I thought, oh, I don't know. I have to keep paying money to put it up. And then I started getting inquiries about it. I got several inquiries. And, so I click the button and put it back out there where people can buy it. So, hmm. so it's back out there now. Uh, I was kind of got thinking about it, let it just go by the wayside after people got tired of using it. But right, but people still seem to want it. All right, Cam, it's been great, and uh, 
we will talk to you folks later. Night, Cam. Night, Gary. Folks, uh, earlier in this episode, I mentioned about a three-episode about the Teamsters, which will go up next. I'm going to put all three episodes up the same day, basically, so you can just binge on them however you want to. But that'll be it for the month of August, basically. Uh, after this one, this is the last week of July, I'm going to take off and get out of town for a, a week or ten days or so and get where it's a little bit cooler. You're going to have uh, three uh, hour-long or so episodes of a really dense topic, the Mafia and the Teamsters. After that, I'll come back. And next, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a, a new movie that I'm started. Uh, it's about the uh, 1946 election fraud in Kansas City. It was the, uh, the Kansas City mob and the uh, local political organization, the Pendergast organization, helped uh, a particular candidate get through a primary and win it. And when they got caught, then they gathered all the evidence and put away in a safe down at the Jackson County Courthouse. And then there was an unexplained uh, explosion one night, and safe was opened up, and, and all those ballots disappeared. And So it's, it's quite a story, and I don't think it's going to be a full-length or feature-length documentary. I'm going to do it for our next Mob Film Festival, which we usually have in November, but I don't know if we're going to have it this year in November. Uh, I think that's all I got to report for this next month. I will uh, I will see you guys again in September. If you're a veteran and you believe you have problems that might be from PTSD that's connected to your service time, call your local vet center or the local VA hospital in your area, or there's a national hotline, 1-800-273-8255, and press 1 if you're a vet. You can go to www.ptsd.va.gov, and this site contains a lot of uh, interesting information and a lot of good resources. When the COVID's over, as we say, when the COVID-19 virus is over and everybody's getting back to work, you can hit me up for a cup of coffee or a shot and a beer on my Venmo app, Gangland Wire. I've got my two movies out there, Brothers Against Brothers, The Savella Spiro War, and Gangland Wire, which is the kind of the story behind the movie Casino, the story about the mob war in Kansas City that led to the uncovering of the skimming information. Got Leaving Vegas, How FBI Wiretaps Ended Mob Domination of Las Vegas Casinos. Get the Kindle version. You can link the... Uh, I've linked the wiretaps, actual audio from the wiretaps, to sections in the book. Good evening, folks. Music provided by our good friend and super fan from Portland, Oregon, Casey McBride. Thanks, Casey. <laughs>